Good evening. It is good to be together this evening. If you're a guest, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. If you will, be opening your Bible to the book of Proverbs. We'll be studying together. We will have slides also for this if you want to look there, but we'll continue our study in just a few moments. Allow me to mention a few things. Uh, we're so thankful for all the ministries that take place here at Mount Juliet and the Meals on Wheels is a tremendous blessing that blesses a lot of people every week. And we're thankful for the good uh, that is done in that ministry. And we want to be able to say thank you. And John Stallworth and his family have have uh, led in the creating of a meal tonight to be able to say thank you to all that work in that. If you work in that, you're invited, even if you haven't even signed up. And John said also, we bought some extra food. And so if you want to go and learn more about Meals on Wheels or just be in fellowship with those involved in that, uh, there'll probably be plenty for that too. And we are so thankful uh, that God gives us the opportunity to be involved in that. You'll notice a lot of red shirts here tonight. And that's just a few of the about 160 plus individuals that were a part of the fall retreat. I don't know if that number seems large to you, but if it doesn't, let me just tell you, that is a very, very large number for a fall retreat. And a part of the reason that number was that large was that Matt Brown, that grew up here and works with Wingate, he brought about 10 or 12 of his youth to this retreat. And Matt Collins, who grew up here and is working at Rivergate, brought about 20. And so it was actually three congregations coming together, and it was quite a blessing. And we're thankful for each one uh, here that invested that this weekend and that kind of work. We're thankful for our young people that have a heart for that. We're thankful for our adults that have a heart to go out and invest. And one of the greatest resources that we have as we studied this morning, the gift that God gives us of children. And we love you and we appreciate you and we're glad it was a safe and a good weekend and a lot of spiritual success there. Also, just another reminder that giveaway day is September 29th. It'll be from 8 to noon. You're encouraged right now to participate in giving things, signing up to help with things, and also there are invitation cards that we're encouraging to go out and give to people that you think uh, would appreciate an invitation to that. So please be mindful of that and prayerful and participate in that in every way you can. If you weren't here this morning, we mentioned a couple of things that's happening this week that if you're passing by, you would probably think, what is happening? And so let us tell you real quickly about a, a few things. Uh, the campaign that the Hispanic congregation and uh, ministry is hosting is this week beginning on Wednesday. And it's either going through Friday or Saturday. And it will be uh, throughout the day and the evenings with a uh, gospel meeting in the evenings. And they will be using the fellowship halls upstairs and downstairs. And then a couple of organizations have asked to borrow our facilities. And so the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network is borrowing our back lawn on Thursday evening, and they're having a memorial event there. Never Alone is their theme on that. And then the Mount Juliet Animal Shelter is borrowing our parking lot for a yard sale where they will be raising money to operate the good facility that they operate that really is nationally known and how they operate so efficiently uh, with so much volunteer help and all. And we simply want to be a good neighbor. Those organizations have asked, and uh, those are things that, that we feel like we could honor in their request. And we're thankful for that opportunity to be a good neighbor. We really do. It's not just cheap talk. We really do want to be the best neighbor in the neighborhood because in that Christ gets the glory. And so we hope that that'll be true. Well, here we are. We may not have slides. Oh, we do. All right. Here we are. The, uh, the, the long anticipated, uh, service where I still really, I'm amazed. Somebody asked me, said, 
why didn't you just save those last 20 and not read them last week and, and, just, and just know that you were going to save that for the following Sunday night? And so I just was honest with them. I said, you know, when you're telling people why people don't like them, I said, I had the vibe you probably didn't like the sermon. And so I thought, I'm getting out of this one as quick as I can. Uh, I, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not stretching this over two lessons. And, uh, but yet, as I mentioned to you this morning, just so many people and person and emails and phone calls and all saying, man, I wish you would have finished that. I really enjoyed that. It's awesome when we can enjoy a study in God's word that steps on our toes. That means we're being honest with the scriptures. And it means that we have a good heart that says, I want to hear it. I, I would like to do better in my life. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about getting people to like us in the sense that we want to be people pleasers. It's not that at all. But the reality is if we are godly people reflecting Jesus Christ, we ought to be a blessing to the people that we're around. And there are definitely some things that we could do that's not a reflection of Christ and it's not a blessing to the people that we're around. And so we'll continue that list. Now, I only have up to 40. But Don Humphrey tells me that Sandra has found seven more reasons people don't like him that she could increase that to 47. (laughs) And then Kevin Bass was riding home and he said that, that the girls in his car between his wife and daughters kept calling out numbers and saying, Dad, number five is why people don't like you. Dad, number 12. And he said, so now I know 41 reasons. And, uh, and that 41st one is when you go around telling everybody the number that people don't like them because of. So we'll try to keep this tonight applying to each of us individually. And, uh, and maybe our relationships will actually be better if, if, if we do that. Uh, somebody said, we're going to review the first 20. You ought to know me better than that. If we did that, that would be the whole sermon again. And uh, I just have a hard time going fast. And, and so here we go. We're starting at 21. And uh, 21, what are reasons that people don't like you? The 21st reason is, are you a mooch? Now listen, please understand this as we start. We need each other. So it's not that we never need to not ask something of others. It's very arrogant if I think that I should go through life never asking other people for help and etc. So we're not talking about the need that we have for each other. But here in Proverbs 30 and 15, he says, the leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied Four, never say enough. And if you read the following verses, he talks about the grave. In other words, there's never going to be a day where there's never a vacancy sign into death. There's always going to be room for one more person to die. The the barren womb will always cry out wishing that a child was there. The earth will never reach a point where it does not need water. And fire will never reach a point where it says, I'm just not going to burn any longer, even when there's fuel there. And so the idea that he's laying out here is the idea that there's always going to be that want, that want, that want. And so the application here is, are you that? Are you the person that every time you're around somebody, it's always, hey, give me this, give me this. I think about the kids at lunch. It's a very common thing at lunch for there to be some kids that never, not occasionally, they never bring enough money to lunch. Every day they walk up and they say, can I borrow a dollar from you? Can I borrow a dollar from you? And... I asked the kids one time when they were talking about that, I said, well, do they ever pay you back? And they're like, yeah, right. No, they don't ever pay back. That's, that's a mooch. That's the idea that whenever the next time they walk up, people don't like them. It's like, I don't want you walking up to me every day and asking something of me just because you're too lazy to provide for yourself. 22, are you a liar? That would cause people to not like you. Proverbs 19 and 5, a false witness 
will not go unpunished. And he who speaks lies will not escape. Listen, your sins will find you out. In Galatians 6 and 7, whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. You remember as children, you probably, at least if you're my age and you grew up around uh, the, 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 the Lord and the church, if you did, you know the little jingle that you used to sing about Revelation 21, 8, liars will be friars. And that's exactly what it says in other words. And, and so the idea is God saying, listen, on this earth, you're going to pay for the, 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 the cost of lying and, uh, and in eternity, You'll pay uh, for lying. And so God's just making it very clear. People don't like liars and God doesn't like lying. And and he will make sure that that is punished also. Number 23, are you sarcastic? Proverbs 14 and 9, fools mock. They laugh, they scorn at sin. But among the upright, there is favor. When we think about whether or not we mock and make fun of sin, we make fun of things that are wrong, Or we live a righteous life and we value the things that are true and honest and righteous. Or we laugh and mock at the things that are wrong and sinful and wicked. Hopefully we would not be sarcastic because that is a very easy way to get people to not like us. 24, do you admit when you're wrong? Proverbs 14 and 8, the wisdom of the prudent, the wise person, is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. Think about that last part. The folly of fools. In other words, here's a foolish person. And you say, God, what makes a foolish person foolish? What's the folly of a fool? What's the foolishness that a fool lives out in his life? And he says, they deceive themselves. They go out and they do something that's wrong. But then they won't tell themselves the truth that they've done wrong. And obviously, if they won't tell themselves that, they're also not going to tell other people that. I'm not asking you to say this out loud. I'm just asking you right now to say this in your mind. I am wrong. When's the last time somebody's heard you say that sincerely? When's the last time your children have heard you say that as a parent? When's the last time your spouse has heard you say that? When's the last time one of your closest friends has heard you say that? Listen, if you don't know the answer to that, you probably have some people that don't like you because you need to understand this. They know that you've been wrong. The folly of the fool is when he deceives himself and he doesn't or she doesn't think she's ever wrong. And so that's the folly of a fool and it causes people not to like us. Number 25, are you a pessimist? Proverbs 15 and 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil. But he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Now, when we think about the opportunity that we have in life to not view everything about life based upon what happens to us, but we get to view life based upon how we respond to what happens to us. Is your glass always half empty? or Are you able to see the good even in a bad situation? Are you able to see a good situation and see the good? A pessimist can't even see the good in a good situation. I think about, and and I meant to give, I don't know if I actually gave credit uh, to him last week in this. And so I want to make sure and I do this. There's, There's 12 essential elements of a successful life written by Tommy Nelson. 
that I read uh, this list of 40 in that really was intriguing to me. And I, I like kind of a humorous example that he gave when he mentions this pessimist here. And he says, he says, I have a friend that his wife is the greatest pessimist I've ever seen. And he says, if she makes it to heaven, I know what she's going to do. She's going to stand before the glorious throne of the Lord and she's going to complain that the glare is blinding her eyes. Now, here's what I think, and I couldn't prove this, but I think pessimism is just a real bad habit. It's not just the habit of saying it, but it's the habit of looking at everything to first see the bad. And I want to encourage you, if you're in the habit of being a pessimist, you discipline yourself that when you see something and immediately you're in the habit, so your mind is going to say, say the negative, you discipline yourself to say, I'm not doing that anymore. I've been praying to God about that and I am diligent and I am now going to make myself look for the positive and that's all I'm going to talk about. Listen, if you want to go through life and look for the negative, you can always find it. And then, of course, that's what you're going to talk about. And then you're going to say everything's negative, And that's not true. But I tell you what will be true. People won't want to be around you. Because nobody likes to be around Debbie Downer. All right, 26. Are you inconsiderate? Now, notice this is one of, of the two that are outside the book of Proverbs out of these 40. And this one's Philippians, the second chapter in verse 4. Do you consider others... Let each one of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. When you engage in conversation with someone, are you always talking about what you want to talk about? Or do you intentionally engage them in what they have interest? You're considerate when you engage in their interest. If you're going to do something with someone, are you doing things that they want to do? Consideration. When we do not consider others, it's usually rude and it usually is rooted in arrogance where we honestly value ourselves greater than we value the other person if we really did value the other person greater than ourselves we would be not acting we would have genuine concern for their interest because we value them greater than ourselves number 27 are you self-centered proverbs 25 and 27 it's not good to eat much honey So to seek one's own glory is not good. We'll make the application here with honey and then it'll fit later and we'll move on a little quicker on the next one because Proverbs does this a few times. Many of you probably are are like me and and my family that I grew up in and that is we love honey. Dad dad had honeybees for from the time he was 12 years old all through the years that I was at home and several years afterwards. And so I bought several hives when I was on the farm. And I remember going out every fall and, and, and late, every late summer and spring and, and robbing the honey. And, um, you know, I've seen our floor with 80-gallon with jars of honey. And we had honey at every meal. And, you know, you don't have to be around honey much before, number one, you usually develop a taste that you really like it. But you also understand this real quickly. As good as it is... You can eat too much, and it's not good anymore. Honey will make you sick, literally sick. So in this history, now think of what the proverb writer is saying here. It was good until you did the wrong thing with it, ate too much, and then it became bad. Glory. Finding glory in God is good. Giving praise even to other people, honor to whom honor is due, is good. 
But when you do the wrong thing with glory and you glorify yourself, that that is good in most occasions becomes a negative thing. Glorying in God and glorying in others that deserve honor is a good thing. It's never good to glory in yourself. And so just know that if you're self-centered and you talk about yourself and you boast about yourself, people are not going to like you as you do that. Even though the funny, ironic thing about that is people that like to do that think that that's just the best thing in the world. They got to brag about themselves, and they're the only ones that don't get it. In 28, are you overly sensitive? Proverbs 12 and 16, a fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. Are you? Have you seen those individuals that immediately when something is said, they've got to bark back and they've got to put somebody in their place and they've got to tell them, they, you can't talk to me like that. You can't use those words. You can't use that tone of voice. You're accusing me of something I didn't do. And if you notice, there'll be somebody else sitting around that'll experience the very same thing and they'll just, they'll just be calm. If they're a faithful Christian, they'll probably go home and pray about it. And then they'll probably decide what's the righteous way to respond to that. But someone that is very sensitive, the fool's wrath is known at once. I've got to put you in your place right now. And that's a big part of the book of Proverbs is us having patience to not open our mouth nearly as often as what we would want to by nature. 29, are you codependent? Proverbs 25 and 16 says, and this is the other one about honey. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he becomes weary of you and hate you. See, he even says, they're not going to like you. Except he said, they're going to hate you. Why? Well, it's kind of like Ben Franklin said. Fish and guests stink after three days. And so when, when we think about can you become codependent upon individuals, yes. You probably have had someone in your life where you are afraid to be nice to them because if you just speak and they're nice to them, they literally are going to move into your life. And they're just going to take over your life. And what should have been just a short visit is going to be three hours later with them expecting to have that same three hours every day. That kind of codependency is what causes people to not like you. What if instead you visited with someone and you left and as you were leaving, the person you visited with thought, I wish they could have stayed longer. I would have really enjoyed that. That's a much better approach instead of wearing out your welcome, as we sometimes call it. 30, are you jealous? It's interesting how the proverb writer gives us this proverb here. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? So as bad as anger is and as bad as wrath is, he says you just can't stand up against jealousy. Listen, if you are a jealous friend, it will be impossible for friends to appreciate your jealousy. They might tolerate you, but they will not like the fact that you're jealous. And the truth is, usually the relationship can't even last. I don't know if I should call women out on this, 
Have you noticed how many women there are that they've got to have a best friend that their best friend can't have other friends? That's exactly what that's talking about. God places within us the ability to love multiple people in relationships. For, for me to love you does not mean then if I am to love someone else, I must take love away from you to love them. Jealousy is a tool of Satan. It's not a blessing from God, and it really destroys a lot of relationships. 31, do you run hot and cold? If so, people aren't going to like that you do that. Proverbs 17 and 17 says, a friend loves at all times. It's not hot and cold, it's at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. When the chips are down and and it's so bad and you can only make one phone call. Now, listen, this is the rule of thumb. I know there'd be a lot of exceptions to this, but the rule of thumb is when the chips are down, you know you can call your brother. I can count on my family. That's, that's what family is supposed to be like. And I understand that's not true for every family. But this is, Proverbs is written based on rules of thumb here. It's, it's true in most cases, but not in every case. And so notice, here the idea is, a friend, who, who's a friend? They're not hot and cold. When you need to make some kind of move early on Saturday morning and you can't get anybody else to come, you can get your friend to come because they're loyal. They're, they're not cold when it's inconvenient for them, and then hot when it is convenient for them. You can count on them. Proverbs 27 and 5, this next one, 32, is are you cold? In other words, are you indifferent to people all the time? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. You hear what the proverb writer is saying here? I'd rather have somebody that just straight out just tells me what's wrong than trying to conceal the fact And then if you ask them, they say, oh, no, no, I love you. You know, sometimes we think the only way you could have the opposite of love is hate. But, you know, apathy is just about as bad as hate. Do you like it when when you could say, I don't guess they hate me, but I'm pretty sure they don't care anything for me. How much better is that? And so if if we have that that demeanor towards people of, hey, I've got my life. I don't really care about you. Obviously, people aren't going to like you. 33, are you lazy? Proverbs 20 and 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Now, if you knew a little bit about agriculture, you could appreciate this one a little more. Let me just quickly describe this. When it gets into late winter, and this it's not this way today as much in agriculture, but back when, when they had the oxen or the mule and they're pulling the plow... They turn the fields a few times. And, and so in late winter, before spring, you get out there and turn the fields. Now you're turning the fields for the harvest that's going to be at the end of that year. And so you can imagine, a lazy man said, it's still cold out there. It's a long time till spring. I'm not going to get out there and plow. And then spring would come. I'm not going to get out there and plow. And then summer would come. It's too late to get out there to plow. And then fall would come. We don't have anything to eat. You know what? I'm going to go down to Farmer So-and-So's house. He was out plowing in the wintertime. He'll have plenty to eat. And you know what? Farmer So-and-So doesn't like that because nobody likes to give a lazy person anything because they had the same opportunity. There was only one thing differentiating them from having something and not having something, and it was that they were lazy. 34, are you arrogant? Proverbs 16 and 18, 
Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Versions of this are quoted within the New Testament. It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? That if we become arrogant, God knows how to humble us. And so until that time that we're humbled, people will not like being around arrogant people. Because arrogance is all about placing yourself higher and better in your own mind's eye above other people. Number 35, do you raise your voice? Proverbs 15 and 1. This is my mama's proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Supposedly, the gentleman that's done more research and can predict better than anybody in the world today couples that are in happy relationships, but he can predict that they will get a divorce. See what I'm saying? He does studies on relationships. You can tell him, hey, are, are you doing good? Oh, we've never been better. We have a great relationship. And he'll say, somewhere in the next 10 years, you'll get a divorce. And he has an amazing rate of success in this. And he has seven principles that he says, if I can see this in a relationship and if they don't change it, it will lead to a divorce. One of the things that he looks for is whether or not you have hard startups when there is any notion of a disagreement. Look, all of us are going to have conflict. Every, every married couple is going to have conflict. Every parent and child is going to have conflict. Every best friends are going to have conflict. Every coworker is going to have conflict. Here's the big difference. In a moment of conflict, are you one of them that immediately says, let me tell you what you always do. Or would you practice this and say, you know, you might be right about that. Let me, do you mind if I just take and think on that a little bit? And I appreciate you bringing that up. And just let me think about it and let's talk about it later. Can you imagine if, if every time you were in a time of conflict, you could come back with a soft answer, they would turn away wrath. You know what people would say? People would say, I like being around that person. They're always gentle. They're always reasonable. They seem to really care about me. 36, do you slander others? It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? That if you slander people, they're not going to like you. Proverbs 25 and 23, the north wind brings forth rain. In other words, he's saying you can count on that. It's going to happen. The north wind's going to bring about rain. So notice this, you can count on this one too. And a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. You want to make your friend mad at you? You want to make a coworker mad at you? Slander them. And it'll happen every time. They're going to come back and they're not going to like you for doing that. 37, do you make false promises? False promises will cause people to not like you. Proverbs 25 and 14, whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Imagine during a drought. Imagine if you're making, you're living on a farm and, and you're saying, we have got to have rain. We've got to have rain. We're going to lose this crop. And imagine that. Oh, look, the, the wind's blowing in a cloud. That's great. And it blows right over. How disappointing is that? That could have to do with how you live the next year if it doesn't drop rain. That, you would think, is tragic. People don't like you when you make promises. And then don't deliver on them. And we're talking about a serious matter here. And I'm not talking about any particular person in this audience when I say this. But I know there would be some people in this room that you're in the habit of making promises to people that you never intend on keeping. And to you, it's nothing. Now we're back to the bad habit. To you, it's no big deal. I'm just begging you tonight to realize that your word, without any kind of swearing, an oath, or a promise, your word ought to be your bond. 
And so there's a better rule of life to go through than making promises and not keeping them. How about instead you make an agreement with yourself and with your God tonight, I'm going to make very few promises in my life, but I'm going to keep every one of them that I make. And that is a much better way to live and to bless the lives of others. 38, 38, do you have a problem with authority? We studied this back a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning, uh, two Sunday mornings ago. Proverbs 30 and 17, the eye that mocks his father. You got problems with authority with your father? Or what about your mother? And scorns obedience to his mother? The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. You know what he's referring to? Back in that day, capital punishment was really frequently done. And so when someone died, usually being hung in some way, they would leave the body out there and the birds would come by and pluck the body. And so that's what he's talking about there. And he says, you have a problem with authority? Just know that it can lead to devastation. It'll definitely lead to devastation in relationships. 39, do you always think you are right? Kind of the opposite of what we were talking about a while ago, never thinking you're wrong. Proverbs 26 and 16, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes. Now, this is amazing. Than seven men who can answer sensibly. Can you imagine that? You got eight people in the room and seven of them are so sensible. Just pick out in this room, men and women that you think have so much common sense and they're so sensible. And you put those seven individuals in a room and you ask them a question and there's an eighth person in the room and it's the fool. And, and you ask them a question and all seven agree on what the right answer is. And the eighth one has just the opposite notion in his mind and he won't give in. He'll listen to the other seven that are sensible. And he's like, you guys are foolish. I'm not going to believe that. Well, whenever we always think that we're right, we're going to cause people to not like us. And the truth is we're not even going to be able to recognize the truth before long. And here it is, the grand number 40. Are you pompous? Proverbs 12 and 9. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. Is it important to you for people to know that you're important? Is it important to you for people to know that you have some nice possessions? Is it important to you for people to know you? He's laying out this example here in Proverbs. He says, here's a person. They want to make sure everybody knows how wealthy they are and how successful they've been. And when they get all the accolades from the people, do you see me? you see me? you see me? He says, they have to go home and they have to go to bed without supper that night. Because the truth is, they're not important at all. They're not successful at all. They don't even have bread to eat at night. He said, but here on the other hand, There have been accolades being passed out and this person that is so successful, they have their own servants. They don't get noticed at all. And the proverb writer says, that's all right. It's better to have the servants and to have what you need in life and no accolades than to not have and try to get everybody to notice you. Isn't it a blessing that God doesn't call us to be something that we're not? Isn't it a blessing that God's made you the way He would want you to be? And you don't have to apologize for that. He may have made you one of the smartest people in this room, and that's good. And He may have made you with one of the lowest IQs in, that room, in this room. You realize that would be one of us here. And that's okay too. 
God has made you in a wonderful way. And what's important is taking the way God has made us and serving Him. And not trying to get everybody to believe that we're something that we're not. And when we can be comfortable in the skin that God has made us and give Him all the glory, we then will be a person that people will like being around. But nobody wants to be around somebody that's always trying to get them to believe that they're all that. In this room right now, I don't have anybody particular in mind, but I assure you, just by human nature, the person that would score the highest on an exam or IQ test is probably someone in this room that you'd have no idea they were that smart. And probably the person in this room that has the most money is not the person that lives in the biggest house or drives the nicest cars. Probably the person in this room that has had the greatest success in various business ventures is probably a person that you didn't even know they had those successes. We're not really much when we've got to go around trying to tell people who we are. A better way to live is to go around telling people who your God is, who your Lord is, the one that made you and the one that you serve. And tonight, if you're not living for Him, that's the wisest move that we could ever make. If you need to come to Him to be immersed into His Son, Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that tonight. If you have begun that journey and, and in a foolish way, You've lost your way, and we've all been guilty of that. There's not anybody here perfect. But by the grace of God, He's made a way for us to come back. And that's the only hope that any of us has. Let's make sure that we leave here tonight being wise, but not so we could boast. Being wise so that we could live a life that would bless others and give God all the glory. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.